Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this month's Deep Dive. This episode is sponsored by Pearson Rabbits Insurance. Pearson Rabbits is my personal disability and life insurance agent. How do you know if you need life insurance? We talk about disability insurance a lot, but life insurance is for people with families or loved ones that financially depend on them. It's insurance you buy on yourself to support those around you if something happens to you as the primary breadwinner. For example, I'm married, I have kids. If I died, my wife would need to pick up hours at work to be able to support the family. That means she'd have to start paying for childcare, which is expensive. She'd also have to pay off you know, mortgage payments on the doctor house as a single mom. Um, you know, Previously, we were more of a dual income. She would need to pay for the funeral, keep saving for retirement, all that kind of stuff. Life insurance is to help your family. Not that you need to buy so much that they're set for life, when you're dead, something I've learned from Dateline, always be worth more alive to your spouse, right? But all joking aside, you want to make sure your kids will be able to afford college, that your family won't have to just instantly turn around and sell the house, and that they're going to have some financial buffer to get things figured out in the first couple years after you die. Life insurance isn't for everybody, but it is an important part of personal finance to keep in mind, depending on your situation. Go to www.pearsonrabbits.com fill out a contact form, and get this stuff purchased if you think it's something you're going to need. Now on to our show. In the last episode, our patient had a car accident because of syncope. That syncope was due to a prolonged QT, and she was actually on multiple medications, most notoriously the methadone, that caused this to happen. Methadone has a black box warning for prolonging the QT interval. And interestingly, at least in my experience, we don't learn about black box warnings in medical school. Your focus is usually going to be on mechanisms of action, drug families, things like that. Even if you do have some side effects when you're studying for your USMLE, a lot of it is not necessarily related to emergency medicine, and it'll be like a cancer treatment or something. As an emergency medicine attending, black box warning become extremely important for two reasons that are beyond recognizing that the reaction happened in the first place when the patient comes into the ED due to that medication, as in this case. So the first big reason is risk management reasons. So lawsuits commonly happen due to medication side effects, even if the treatment that you gave was appropriate. If you prescribe something with a black box warning and that patient has that reaction happen, even if your treatment's totally appropriate, what the plaintiff's attorney is going to do. They're going to blow that warning up to a thousand times font for the jury and go, doctor, explain to the jury what torsade point is. Doctor, sounds pretty bad. Is that dangerous? Doctor, why would you give such a dangerous medication that could cause this? How could you not even warn the patient about a black box warning? Why didn't you get written consent for such a dangerous reaction? Doctor, be honest. Did you even know there was a black box warning? Why are you giving such dangerous medications? And they poke and they poke and they poke right in front of the jury until you crack. And they're very good at it. And so this is one reason why you need to know about black box warnings. Second, black box warnings, surprisingly, are really helpful for patient satisfaction reasons. Patient satisfaction is a topic that I'm very actually passionate about. Um, 
and I know that sounds crazy, but I, you haven't heard me talk about it yet, but you'll, there, I have reasons for this. The truth is the majority of the medicines that you prescribe in the ED have a black box warning on it. And most patients have taken the medicine before. They have no idea. They feel like if you warn them about a black box warning on a medicine, they feel like you're really informing them about the medication when you tell them about this. And there's, it's really easy to do. There's only a handful of black box warnings to remember and patients really like it because they feel like you're like advocate, advocating for them against, you know, the medical, these dangerous medications, right? Um, and yeah, so uh, patient satisfaction reasons, risk management reasons. In this episode, we're going to briefly discuss, I wrote down 10 and then it kind of expanded. So we'll say 10 with a few bonus black box warnings in emergency medicine to put them on your radar so that your patients and attendings realize that you know your stuff. Cause this is great for like, if they're pimping you, um, it'll help them realize that you're smart, that you care. So let's get into it. First of all, and this isn't one of my top 10. Did you know that Tylenol has a black box warning? Yes. Our beloved safe over the counter, acetaminophen that we've been prescribing for years and years and years has a black box warning on it. You guys can probably guess what it is. It's for hepatic toxicity if taken not as prescribed. The warning uh, is a lot around the risk of combining medications because a lot of over-the-counter syrups and things like that will have acetaminophen in it also. And so it has a risk of liver toxicity. The reason I say this, one, to be careful about patients, I mean, You take too much acetaminophen, yes, it can be extremely dangerous, but that's not really what I'm getting at here. The reason I want to start off with this one is to to demonstrate the point that the black box warning is not some like scary thing that only goes on these horrible, terrible medicines. Like don't let, don't let patients or if you're ever sued, like lawyers do that to you. I mean, Tylenol has a black box warning on it. Okay. When I was preparing for this lecture, I had my ED pharmacist. I was like, listen, I can't find anything online on this topic. I'm finding black box warning, you know, top 10 here or there, but they're not even in our specialty. Can you just print me off a list of every single black box warning that there is in all of medicine? And they had a list, and it's about 15 pages, small print, just do to do this whole, most of these medications I haven't even heard of, to be honest. And um, it, it just goes to demonstrate the point that they're, like everything has a the black box warning on it. So it's important to know, but it's not like the end of the, you know, that, that's all I'm saying here with the acetaminophen. All right, so now let's get into our top 10 ones that I think do matter. So let's start off with number one, as in this case. Methadone. So methadone has a black box warning for increasing the QT interval. As you know, methadone is a medication that's given to people with opiate use disorder for kind of medication, long-term management to keep them in recovery and keep them off other drugs. And uh, it's not so much that you see this a lot in real life. Like you're not prescribing methadone out of the ER and you're not seeing very many, like this, you know, the case is very creative and cruel. Like it's not like you're having patients come in every day after they crash their car on methadone because of their long QT. The only reason I put it here is I feel like in residency, my attendings gave, like they talked about this a lot. Like it just seems like something that could potentially be uh, important if you were going to do like the USMLE or something like that. It just seems like a well-known side effect that you need to keep in the back of your mind is that methadone prolongs the QT interval. Number two, 
So opiates and benzodiazepines. They both kind of have the same, for the most part, the same set of uh, black box warnings with them. The reason you need to know these is because this is a very common medication that you prescribe. So the black box warnings all circle around the fact that these medications are addictive, that they call overdoses with opiates. Um, there's one on there that it can cause like a neonatal opiate withdrawal syndrome. And then the other one that they both have is that these medications are kind of synergistic and work together. So it's really tends to be pretty dangerous to have patients taking like both Xanax and Percocet, let's say, just as an example, not saying that you can never do that, but that's kind of what the warning is. That's what they want to, to caution you against is giving both together. One reason why this is important. So people struggle sometimes with, um, you know, what, like if you're prescribing, let's say, uh, uh, oxycodone or something, you want to talk to your patient about the risks of taking it. It can be kind of an awkward situation. Like you're like, oh yeah, no, don't forget. Like they're addictive. Not that you would do drugs anyways, right? Ha <laughs> ha, nervous laugh. And you walk out of the room. Um, I've been there. This is a really, knowing that this is a black box warning, I feel like really gives you a platform for discussing these medications that are addictive. And you can say, listen, I have to say this because there's a black box warning on this medicine now, but when I prescribe you, uh, you know, these three days of Percocet, they are known to be addictive. They cause overdoses, that kind of stuff. And you just caution them, like these are extremely dangerous medications and it allows you to kind of put the fear of God in them a little bit so that they don't mess around with this medicine. They do lock it up from kids and things like that. Um, so opiates and benzos is number two. Number three, before we get all, you know, poo-poo on the opiates, NSAIDs also have two black box warnings. You know, things like naproxone, ibuprofen, the same kind of set of stuff. So they have a black box warning for GI issues, for causing ulcers, they also have a black box warning now, and you might have heard about this, for causing like MIs, like heart attacks and strokes. And um, so people who are, are at risk for those, you're supposed to start leaning away from NSAIDs as well. You know, you have to treat the patients with something like freaking Tylenol is a black box warning. So I'm not saying this to say you can never give NSAIDs, you can never give opiates. Again, you just need to have it on your radar that NSAIDs have black box warnings for causing ulcers and and gastric issues and for causing strokes and heart attacks. I mean, that's a pretty one definitely worth keeping on your radar. The final pain one that I'm going to put on, put on your, your radar a little bit, tramadol and codeine are both notorious for what we call being, um, like dirty drugs. So just drugs that you don't like to give. They have a lot of side effects. They're just really messy and they don't work that well. So you're not going to find a lot of ER doctors that have trained in this you know, the, the last few years that are prescribing this, you will have patients come in that say like, this is the stuff that works for me. They're like, I don't, I don't want Dilaudid. I don't want Percocet. I swear by the Tramadol. Right. So, okay. Every once in a while you give it. So they're not pain medicine in and of themselves. It's their, their metabolic like byproduct that causes relief of pain. And they have erratic metabolism. So some people, and you might know about this or not, they don't have any pain response from tramadol and codeine because their body doesn't metabolize it into the right byproduct, okay? Their body just doesn't do it. So they have, there's no, like, it's literally a completely ineffective medication. 
The reason these have black box warnings is because there's also a subset of people that super metabolize it. And so like they take it and it instantly turns into all this stuff. And so like it can be really dangerous, especially in kids is where like the black box warning is focused around because you can like give a dose of this stuff and a kid can die if they're one of these like fast metabolizers. And so tramadol and codeine, again, they're not really popular medicines anymore. Uh, You will see them come up, but it's because of this erratic metabolite erratic metabolism, either they don't cause any effect at all, or they cause all of their effect really, really fast, and it can be dangerous. Okay, let's get into number five and some of the antibiotics. So the first antibiotic you need to know that has a black box warning on it is clindamycin. All antibiotics, I think, probably almost all of them, can cause C. diff uh, in theory, but they're at different risk, you know, odds ratios, right? So clindamycin causes the most C. diff. And so clindamycin has a black box warning for causing C. diff. You need to know that because this is a medication that gets prescribed frequently, especially to cover like MRSA. Um, and C. diff is something you'll see in the department and you have a, so it's one that you actually do have to know that has some clinical value. Another one that's really a hot topic right now is all the fluoroquinolones. So things like ciprofloxacin. So there's two black box warnings on fluoroquinolones. The first one, this is like a great pimp question, is that you can't give it to people with myasthenia gravis. All right, that is actually a black box warning on these. You can't give fluoroquinolones to people with myasthenia gravis. The other one, and this is the one that you're seeing a lot of doctors move away from these antibiotics now. So they cause like these connective tissue issues. So the actual black box warning is around like tendinitis and tendon rupture. However, there's all these cases too of people developing abdominal aortic aneurysms. Um, I don't know if there's been cases of the actual like aortic dissections, but you know, that kind of stuff, like connective tissue issues, um, some of which, especially when you're talking about aneurysms can be very dangerous. Uh, you know, you got the, the guy playing pickup basketball on the weekend, you know, ruptures his Achilles tendon, that kind of thing being pinned on fluoroquinolones. So that's the black box warning on those. And you're seeing it now used as a second or third line antibiotic because of that. Number seven is an interesting one because I told every single attending pharmacist, nurse, everyone in the department, I've told that this is a black box warning and no one had any, any idea. Did you know that metronidazole or flagyl has a black box warning for being a carcinogen? <laughs> like you think someone would like send out an email or something, right? But no, metronidazole has a black box warning for being a carcinogen in like rats or something. So you're only supposed to use it when clinically appropriate. Again, with all of these, it's not that you can't give it. Everything has a black box warning. It's just, you need to know about it. But the reason I think this is interesting is because of number eight. So number eight is droperidol. So droperidol was like this ideal medication that ER doctors loved for treating agitation. And then they got around the same time as some of the more expensive antipsychotics came to market, very suspiciously, it got dinged with this black box warning for prolonged QT, and it completely just disappeared. Like it wasn't even like made in America anymore. Like it was just gone. All of a sudden this medicine that had been used for decades completely safely has an expensive alternative come to the market and it gets dinged and disappeared. Like it got, uh, no, never mind. I'm not going to get political. I was going to say it got Hillary Clinton, right? So like Draperol is just gone all of a sudden for this prolonged QT. And it was like really suspicious. You're starting to see it come back a little bit and you have to do, you know, some hospitals will make you do some cardiac monitoring or EKG before and things like that. 
So droperidol would be kind of similar to methadone in that way. The reason I put it here is because it's really odd, right? You have something like metronidazole or flagyl, where it's a carcinogen and no one has any idea. And then you have something like droperidol, again, a medicine that was being given all the time, and it's just gone from the market. It's just really weird kind of how, um, how medicine works. It's just very interesting. Anyways, number nine. So it's all of your anticoagulants. So uh, forgive me, I, at the top of my head, what is it? Rivaroxaban and Apixaban. So like Eliquis, Zeralto, those. So they have a black box warning for causing spinal hematomas, one specifically spinal hematomas. And then the other one that it ha- these carry is the risk of causing clots, which you're like, wait, 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 they're blood thinners. But no, so it's the, if you abruptly discontinue these medicines, it can make you thrombophilic. This is useful to know because how often are we like looking for pulmonary emboli and things like that? And as an emergency medicine attending, frequently you see people, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, frequently you see people that are on these medications and you think, yeah, their risk of of, uh, you know, a DVT or a pulmonary embolism or things like that is probably pretty, pretty low. They're chronically anticoagulated. However, let's say they had stopped taking it. Maybe they got the flu or something like two weeks ago, they just stopped taking it completely. So that actually puts them into a thrombophilic state and they're actually at an increased risk of developing clot. I think that's actually a very clinically useful black box warning. That's actually probably worthwhile leaving on there. Um, 10. So it's the antipsychotics. So things like haloperidol, zeprazidone, which is geodon, olanzapine, which is zyprexa. So they all carry this black box warning for increasing mortality. <laughs> like you're just like, you people should talk about this more. So yeah, a black box warning for increasing mortality, specifically in elderly patients with dementia. Um, I don't, I've never read the study that discovered this, but from what I've, what I've heard, they compared it to placebo and like controlled for confounders and stuff. And patients who received received this ended up dying more than patients who were just given a placebo medicine um, for, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's a little scary, uh, worth knowing about. And so that's your 10. I'm going to give you a few extras. So like a lot of the anti-medics, so Zofran is safe. Yay. Um, so like metoclopramide or Reglan has a black box warning for tardive dyskinesia, that movement disorder. Promethazine, uh, so Phenergan, has a black box warning for soft tissue injury. So you're supposed to give it deep in the muscle. Um, and I suppose you can give it like orally or something too. But like the issue was infiltrated IVs would cause like tissue necrosis, which never really actually made sense to me. It's like, so if it, inf- if it comes out of the vein, it causes all this necrosis. But if we just inject it deep in the muscle next to the vein, like nothing happens. I don't know. It was always odd to me. But this medicine has been like actually removed from our formulary almost. Um, I used to give it a bunch I am Fenergan, um, but it's it's you're seeing it disappear because of this soft tissue injury black box warning. Um, Procloperazine, is that right for uh, for compazine has that uh, increased mortality in patients with dementia. Um, so that's worth knowing about. And then the other thing I'll say, so there's a couple other medicines that don't have black box warnings, and I just find it really, I just find it very odd. So like TPA, this medicine we give all the time has a 6% chance of causing intraparenchymal hemorrhage in the brain. Now, some of them are small, some of them are big. You can go through, we can do the whole TPA debate thing again. I did an episode on that a while back. But regardless, TPA, Alteplase, doesn't have a single black box warning on it. Like, like my hospital, how many people have you seen, I- I've seen people hemorrhage from this medicine into their brain. And it's just like, 
again, it's just that's Alta Place is such a freaking suspicious medicine. I'm telling you the history of that thing. There's gonna be a documentary on that someday. Mark my words. Another one that's interesting. So also Tam, uh, is it also Tamavir Tamiflu? Um, this is kind of useful in emergency medicine. It, you know, maybe decreases length of influenza by a few days, but it's kind of known to be like a pretty useless medicine. And um, there's like all these court cases of people like dying from the flu. And they're like, you didn't give Oseltamivir, even though it doesn't even like necessarily to help with that. And it's just like an odd medicine that we give where it's like, how does this medicine exist? And it's just kind of, some people in emergency medicine are kind of eh, on um, Tamiflu. Just worth keeping on, on the back of your mind. Another one that's interesting. So KXLate, I have no idea what the generic name is. So, you know, forgive me. But um, what we get for hyperkalemia to have patients poop out the potassium, right? Kaxlate. So it has this, it, it, apparently there's case reports of it causing bowel necrosis. So ER doctors just culturally hate Kaxlate. Like, I don't know, I don't know why it picked up. But you, like, you can't talk about the treatment of hyperkalemia in, without talking about giving some sort of like potassium binding removing agent, however the heck it works, which means you talk about Kaxlate, which means some doctor is going to, gripe about how it causes bowel necrosis. Um, send me an email, zach at emclerkship.com. Certain episodes, I'm sometimes like, I know I'm going to get emails about this. This is one of those episodes I suspect I'm going to get emails about. So uh, send an email my way. I'll answer them. Uh, and until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.